Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is July 24th, 2020, and I am here joined again, as always, and the routines feel the same day to day, week to week, with my partners in crime, the cohorts, and Zynga. Oh, what a morning it's been already. <laughs> oh, really? What a morning? Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear it. Emma, the intern. Emma, where are you today? Are you back in Jersey? Today, I am back in Jersey. Back in Jersey. All right. Waiting to get you back here to Minneapolis. So a couple more weeks, hopefully, you'll be back here in Minneapolis. But, and what's what's going on? This is going to be a, I think this is going to be an interesting show. I think the topics are really cool. We've got some fun, fun topics. I think they're all, you know, pretty important within the overall omni-channel retaining landscape because that word is cool again, by the way, for everyone listening. We, but, we, hey, we liked it before it was cool, though. We did. Right? We, we liked it when it was really dorky and 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 really important pundits would actually make fun of us at dinner tables for using the word. And to them, I now say, ha ha. But anyway, and how's your morning going? It seems like it's been quite the day. I've got the baseball hat on, you know, we're all looking a little bit worse for the wear here. What's, what's hey, happening? You know, we're just trying to survive these days, but um, actually, no, my morning was terrible and I 100% attribute it to the Panera Coffee subscription program. So we're going to be talking about that in the, in the, uh, in the Fast Five today, but let me tell you, I was trying to give it my best shot because our friend Emma, resident Gen Z, who I look up to and want to aspire to be like someday in my next life. Uh, really likes it. And so I was like, I, Emma's, I got to give it a shot and quit being so down on it. And Emma, let me just tell you, I'm not on board. It's so you not tried happening. to do this. All which right. is, which is why I have my local coffee company represented today, because that is where I ended up getting coffee and why I look like, like I might have drowned in some <laughs> For those watching our video. So you went, you went full on yuppie as a result of your, I'm guessing what sounds like a Panera experience, but yeah, good tease by the way. Yeah, that is actually going to be our first story. We're going to talk about Panera and their latest dabblings in the, the, the subscription business. So, okay. Fascinating. Hold, let's hold that one. Wow. Um, Emma, what's what's new and what what's what what news hails from Jersey? Anything? I know you're just kind of waiting here to go back to school. What's what's the word on the street? Is the you going back to school? Like we going online? What's what's the deal here? We're supposedly supposed to be coming back in person, but you know, all my friends that are still undergrads are saying that pretty much all of their classes started on or started in person, but now they're all moved online. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have one class online. I'm TAing one class online. So, you know, it's just, it's just all up in the air. I'm kind of just like, eh, whatever at this point. I feel like a retired old woman that like does the same thing every day and just waits for time to pass. Oh, yeah, that seems about right. That seems about right. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. It Thank God, works. you guys. This is not good. This is so uh, sad. Well, we're going to try to bring some humor into things. And like one of yes. the first things I would say to that whole thing is, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's like, seems like maybe things are moving online, but yet the students are coming back to dorms. So then I asked the question, huh, students are all in dorms together. All their classes on are, are online. What are they to do? What, how, could, how can we imagine that they might uh, uh, enjoy themselves during that time when they're not in class? I can't imagine what college students might come up with uh, to keep their minds occupied in that regard. But anyway. So many things. And, and just to like tease that, yeah. you, know, you know, when you get 
COVID, you have to contact all the people that you've been in and around in the last three weeks. So just, just an FYI for all those college students, you know. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Get things ready. Things can come back to haunt you, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like many things in life. It just never goes away. <laughs> uh, we, we've got some, uh, like, like the Obby Talk Fast Five. It's here yes. every week for your listening pleasure. But we do. We have some awesome stories. So we've got Panera this week. Uh, we're going to turn our, our spotlight on LL Bean. They have, I don't think have ever made our fast five, but they, they a little cool announcement not, this week. Not to be confused important. with, with Land's End. Just not to be confused with Land's End. Cause they have been featured made. on the fast five. Many times. In fact, I think my mother's even come into those stories. We're going to talk Walmart, of course, Domino's. and likes this story out of Domino's, a cool new phrase coming from Domino's strategy work. And then, of course, we're going to have some stories on Amazon and also touch on Google. But first, it's amazing. Yes. But I remember, first, we're going to give a shout out to our sponsor. And our sponsor is Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite. So grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. All right, Anne, you teased it. You're excited about it. Sounds like you might have even tried it out this morning. What's going on at Panera? All right, guys. So Panera has said they do not stand plan to stop at free coffee subscriptions. Why couldn't I get that headline out? Because I didn't get coffee until five minutes ago. Uh, Panera has said that, excuse me, they're doing a, their first unlimited coffee subscription, which is $8.99 a month. They launched that at the end of February, and they claim that brought in 750,000 subscribers. Now, they are doing a special promo during the summer called Hashtag Free Coffee, the number four summer, uh, which is allowing anybody who signed up for the program already, so any of those 750,000 subscribers and any new subscribers, to get unlimited free coffee until Labor Day. Um, They've also announced that they are planning some other things to give away for free um, as part of the subscription program. So not just coffee, but expanding that. Um, And they've also launched a referral program. So if you are one of those subscribers and you want to bring in any of your up to five people or more, um, you can earn free coffee until Halloween. So they're just pushing it out and pushing it out. Got pyramid uh, coffee going on. This is pyramid great. coffee schemes, you know it. Uh, and sidebar, Eduardo Luce, who is now their chief branding concept officer. I think he came from Heinz. They said, but mm-hmm. um, but again, he is on a mission to make this the biggest, best subscription program in the world. Now, I tried it as I mentioned this morning. I signed up yesterday. Sign up was smooth. I was like, this is great. I can deliver. I was probably wrong so about on, this. So whole thing. Are you on your phone? I'm going to ask him, are you on, are you on your phone? You're doing this on your phone? Um, I did it online? on my phone. Okay. Yep. I did it All on right. my phone, signed up. You go to the website, really simple, seamless sign up process. Um, I wanted to pre-order my coffee for t- this morning, saying I was going to do that before sure. the show. And I couldn't until nine o'clock that maybe... I just missed the window, but it appears that the Panera's closest to me do not open until 9 a.m., which is a problem if you're trying to get caffeinated before. So I already had some things about this that I was like, I don't know about this program. 
There are, you know, 15,000 Starbucks in the, in the U S alone, 10,000 7-11s. Like, I don't think this is something compelling enough for me. Who's not a Panera customer to jump in one month of free coffee, or especially once they go back to eight ninety nine dollars a month, free coffee, not enough to get me to jump on the Panera bandwagon. However, I do think that if you're going with a strategy, which I believe this man is, uh, of retain your current customers and try to hold on to them. I think that makes sense for Emma, the students who are Panera advocates, the, you know, the suburbs, the people in the suburbs where a lot of these Paneras are located, who are, you know, going there repeat time and time again, they're going to add on to their purchases. I get that. It's not for me. And it made my morning cascade into a complete disaster. Okay. But All right. So, so, uh, are you Ray, done? And, and rant. <laughs> are you done? All right. Good. I think you, I think you eclipsed my rant from last week. All right. Wow. To start us off. All right. Lot to unpack there. Let's rewind that. So if you remember, for those loyal listeners, if you remember, Panera made the announcements, the announcement of a coffee subscription program. I think it was probably back. I'm guessing it was like back in February. It was like, it was in February, January, February, right before yes. COVID, COVID hit. And it, it generated quite the buzz on social media. Like some of us were really for it. I know I was. Emma, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were. And we'll go to you in a second here. But like, Anne decidedly against. So it sounds like now Anne has, and now they've had a ton of subscribers over the last few months, 700,000. And there's some interesting data to potentially unpack there as well, uh, according to QSR uh, Magazine, which just republished a report this week. Uh, lots to unpack there, but they've had a lot of subscribers and there's some interesting dynamics about the business. Now, and it sounds like tried this out and may have not read the fine print that the Paneras around her are not open till 9am. But there's, oh, a, it, there's it, no fine print. I will have you know that, that it does not give you the hours of operation. Okay. Okay. So, not option, an option. But, so again, and what we always talk about on this show, whether we like the idea or whether the execution's... Uh, in the details, whether the devil's in the details. So I'm sure we're going to get into that. Emma, does what Ann just described make you feel one way or the other about this program? Because you're probably the biggest Panera fan here. I still, I still really, really like it. I understand though, that like when Panera's don't open at six o'clock AM, like pretty much all other coffee stores do that. It kind of takes away from your, like most people drink their coffee in the morning and want to get that kind of program for when they're like on their way to work and whatnot. For me, however, I drink coffee. I mean, I'll drink coffee at eight o'clock at night. It doesn't really matter. And I'm just a, (laughs) I'm just a loyal, like Panera fan. I love the coffee. I love the food. So this is definitely something I would use, but yeah, I totally understand. Like if you need your coffee at 7am, this probably isn't for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's some important contextual things here as you start to talk about this subscription program being rolled out as kind of an MVP idea. What, I think the most important statistic in the article that I referenced was that 75% of, of Panera's business actually happens post 11 a.m. So the fact that they can get anything before 11 a.m., even if it's 9 to 11, actually is a pretty big boon to their business. The other part that was interesting in the article is they said that the attachment rate for additional items beyond coffee is 70%. That's pretty freaking crazy if you can get that type of loyalty. So I think for me, the reasons we love this before is I think one, I think it's a cool idea. It gives people a reason to come into the store. It's a hook. It gets you a business for Panera at a time when you haven't necessarily had it. It's just for the taking. And to your point, it's really Starbucks purview for the most part. Now, can other people do it? A hundred percent. Sure they can. 
But the cool thing is Panera is learning how to do it. And I think that's important. The other point, Ann, you touched on, which I want to get you guys' thoughts on is this can be done for other items. And I hadn't thought about that. And I think it could be done a lot of ways. Like why aren't there subscriptions on Big Macs? Why aren't there subscriptions on, you know, French fries? Um, the other thought, the other part I thought was cool is shout out to Joe Serrano, who's had some ideas like that. He's a loyal listener to us. Is why can't brands do it? You know, subscription to Gatorade or subscription to Red Bull and you get a card where, you know, we'll give you 30 bucks worth every month if you pay us 10 bucks and you here's where you can redeem it. And here's the card or the mobile app and the QR code at participating retailers, convenience stores to redeem that offer. That kind of stuff just makes sense for the products you love. And that's what this story to me is all about. Sure, the devil is always going to be in the details on how you execute it. But man, it's showing you that there's an appetite to do things like this. And, and you're starting to see that it's real if it's tapped into in the right way. All right, and final word. I don't have any more words. No I'm more still words? still trying to get caffeinated. You spent it all. You spent it all. I, I do feel bad for you. You had to get a yuppie cup of coffee too. Like that, that's, that is, that is kind of the downside. Although, you know, maybe, maybe that's good for you. I don't know. I'm but supporting anyway. local businesses, Chris. Supporting local Thank businesses. You very much. Yes. Yes. One latte at a time. <laughs> All right. It feels like a shameless episode. All right. All right. Let's go to the next story, which I'm going to try to get to now. And Emma, I think that's yours. Yes. So, L.L. Bean has agreed to its first wholesale partnerships in the U.S. They have an agreement to now sell products in Nordstrom, Staples, and the sporting goods chain Shields. So the first phase of this started with L.L. Bean backpacks and water bottles that went on sale in more than a thousand Staples stores two weeks ago. And then in the fall, L.L. Bean beer will be sold at a half a dozen Shields stores in the Midwest and in 20 Nordstrom stores across the U.S. Nordstrom's are going to be offering classics like the famous bean boot, fleece and flannel, both in the stores and online. So I don't know if you guys have ever owned Bean Boots. They're a huge thing here because I think because, you know, Ella Bean is based out of Maine. But I mean, everyone had Bean Boots in high school growing up. But for me, the only thing that makes sense about this story is the Bean Boots in Nordstrom because I think that the Bean Boots fit in really well with Nordstrom's boot offerings next to boots like Hunter, Sorrel, and Sperry. And they're just quality boots that really you have to try to ruin those things. But yeah, the staples part, I don't, I don't even have a comment on that. I don't even know what to make of that. But I think a better strategy here would be for L.O. Bean to like take their top selling products, create a capsule that they sell at like local outdoor stores across the country or like go to backcountry.com or I mean, even Amazon. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you, Emma. I think and my experience with L.O. Bean is pretty limited. I mean, it goes back to my friend Mira Shaw in 1999 wearing like her fleece jumper every day freshman year of college if she happens to be listening, but like, which she's probably not, but like, I agree with you. Like, you Mira's know, it's definitely got better things to do, Chris. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. No, she's in DC hooping it up with politicos. But anyway, like LLB, like according to the story in AP, I thought one of the quotes was really funny. Like Marshall Cohen, who's a noted expert, chief retail analyst for MPD group. He liked the move. And he said, quote, when you select the right retail partners, it gives you the ability to bring the product to the people without being a sellout. Uh, to which I say, wow, that's some really in-depth analysis. When you select the right partners, yeah, great for that. Like that really tells me nothing. And I agree. I'm like, I don't, I don't love this move at all because I think staples, like what you're cheapening your brand. It makes me think like Eddie Bauer Redux, and look how well that's gone for them. And yeah, you can have the right partners with the Nordstroms and stuff. That's just retail 101. But the other thing I worry about is you start pinning your hopes on the wholesale channel right now. What are you doing? I mean, we talked about that with with Nike a week or two ago. Like, 
that seems like a really, really risky bet right now. So you're pinning your hopes on people that you're not sure how they're going to perform. Regardless of COVID, like it's not like bricks and mortar retail is in a great spot. I mean, Nordstrom's who just announced, they just announced layoffs this week. Like, so you don't, you don't know what's going to happen there. And you're right. There are so many avenues to, pro- to promote your product from a direct-to-consumer perspective and so many channels within which to do that. Shit, you're like you said, even Amazon. Like, I would be exploring all of those before I start going wholesale, you know, in the brick-and-mortar channel uh, for fear of just watering down my brand. And what do you think? Yeah, I mean, one underlying thing that was in these articles, too, that I think is important to call out is that they closed their stores for for the during the pandemic, and they haven't reopened their stores yet. And so I think that this is a that's a smart move on L.L. Bean's behalf by, you know, I think, focusing more on the digital strategy. And I do like these this move as maybe a pilot or a pop up kind of like more towards what Emma's saying. So like maybe testing and so like I think Shields is probably a smart move. I actually question the Nordstrom placement. I just don't know if those brands like line up necessarily or if it makes sense for LL Bean. Like they're established enough as a brand that I don't know that they need to go into Nordstrom. They said it's because they're focusing on other other businesses and retailers who are focused on experience and customer service. So I get that's why. Staples makes no sense at all. Um, but I guess I would have started to explore some other tests in some of these places. Um, if they aren't going to have their physical locations, I would be testing like lockers potentially. And even like a locker outside of a Staples where maybe you're going to get back to school stuff and you're stocking back up or even some kind of other, I guess, presence outside of like wholesaling, um, I would be testing before or maybe in addition to a, these pilots that they're doing right now. Yeah, I don't know if I love the lockers. There's a lot of logistics to pull off there. There's a lot of new like changes in consumer behavior. I think the funny thing to me as you were talking there, like, you know what this smells like to me? It almost smells like, and who knows, because they've been around for a long time, but it almost smells like a management consulting play where the consultants came in and they're like, look, to Emma's point, you've got this great brand, but people just don't know about it or don't recognize it across the country. So how can you do that? Well, let's make it a distribution play. But the consultants are coming in and probably saying like, oh, here's all the traditional ways you've done distribution. Whereas instead, I think to Emma's point, what you say is, wait, 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 what are the ways you can tap into that without taking a ton of risk? Like, have you truly evaluated Amazon? What are you doing in Instagram? What are you doing in Facebook? What are you doing through live stream commerce? What are the mediums by which you could be kind of become cool and different again within the context of that conversation versus selling backpacks in staples or even to your point, Nordstrom's where that might not work that well. And Nordstrom's has its potential own issues as do many other bricks and mortar retailers. That's the part to me that I wonder about what's going on behind the scenes when you think about how retail companies work. All right, let's keep on moving here. So I've got the next story. So I think this next story is fun. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. But it was announced this week that Walmart is going to partner with Yahoo to let people buy groceries in a new way. Verizon Media announced the launch of what is called, quote unquote, groceries from Walmart. And the program allows Yahoo Mail users to browse, add items to their cart and buy groceries right from within Yahoo Mail. First-time email users can fill a shopping cart from their inbox and streamline their experience to track and use also track daily promotions, get coupons, all this according to Verizon. And you'll also get personalized recommendations to your Yahoo profiles. The items will live in your cart forever. And it's just really the Yahoo user or potential Walmart customers decision on when they want to buy them. So I think this is really intriguing, really intriguing. 
Why, Chris? What's Anne, so why intriguing you about it? I, I don't know. I just, I want to hear your thoughts too, because I want to form my best fresh opinion based on what you guys think. Okay. Well, I have to just, the, the one like quick call out is that uh, there's an article, I think it was in Fox Business, that also said that the next test is for AOL mail users, just 100%. to give you some context of 100%. like where yeah. their target is. So if you don't know, or if you have a Yahoo mail account, um, you may already know that the users for that mail account uh, generally skew in older populations, 45 and up. Um, and those who not have, that there's anything wrong with that, not, not that, that there's, there's anything, anything wrong, wrong with that. that. I'm getting to my point. And, <laughs> and those who have casual, uh, mobile shopping habits, which I think makes sense here, or they might not have the most upgraded, uh, phone. They're not spending a ton of time on their mobile devices. Now, as we all know, pandemic has in, like started this huge wave of online grocery shopping, but there's a lot of people who might not be comfortable with, you know, downloading an app on their phone and shopping via the Walmart grocery shopping app, for example. So I think that this was a really intriguing alternative of and test for them to now just let people in their mail account, add things directly. Now, how uh, intuitive this will be. I don't have a Yahoo mail account and there was no video to describe or show what this process looks like. That's a whole separate thing. But the idea I think is that you can take this population 45 plus who's a casual mobile user and give them another opportunity to very simply and easily order groceries online and hopefully start a habit where now they are able to order from, from Walmart repeat order from Walmart, all of the data about what they're buying is being collected and then served up so that they don't have to keep shop. Like they don't have to go through the search function. Um, it kind of reminded me a lot of what Sam's club is doing with the concierge service where it's like, these are the items that you buy all the time. You just want to buy all the same things again. Well, here you go. Now you can do it via email. So that's interesting. Yeah. Like if you can get that type of connection going, right. Yeah. The email is like your own concierge. Emma, what do you think? You're the, you're the Gen Zer here. What do you think? I'm guessing you do not have a Yahoo account. No, I don't. But my parents both use Yahoo. And I would say they fit perfectly into um, the category that Ann just described. And that they don't like they don't want to download the Walmart app and like save all their things on the Walmart app. But if you can do it right from your email, which is a platform they are very, very comfortable with, mm-hmm. I think that that's a great idea. And I, I personally, when I shop, go into like the Target app or the Cub website and it has everything saved that I've bought before. And I just press like repeat purchase, but definitely if people are more comfortable with Yahoo on their computer and they don't want to download an app and do it from their phone, this is a great option. Yeah. I agree with you guys. I think, I think when you first read this, you're like, I, I felt for the casual observer and I, I don't want to generalize here, but I bet when people first read this, they're like, yeah, this is kind of dumb. This is what Yahoo, like who has a Yahoo account? There were several searches for does Yahoo Mail still exist when I typed <laughs> Yahoo in the Google search right. bar. So, right. so just right. to give you some context. Right. Yeah. But, but I'm not kidding you. I've had two Zoom calls probably in the last month with people that have AOL.com email yeah. addresses, right? Yeah. Like this is still a real thing. And we've used this statistic a lot. But even during the after the first month or two months of COVID, only 52% of Americans, 50, 50, 60% of Americans had actually tried e-groceries. So there's still a significantly untapped portion of the population that has not done this yet. And so how you start to talk to that population is important. And this is super low risk. I mean, what does Yahoo have to lose? Number one, 
And what does Walmart have to lose? I mean, they're going to learn like what email based uh, commerce could look like in this regard. And so I think, and you know, Tar and Car last thing I'd say too, I thought Carter always, when he was on the show, always did a great job of this too, where it was like, what are the moments in your life and how do you organize yourself around those moments in your life? And for younger people, like a lot of times that can be your phone and the apps on your phone, but for older people, and I still find myself in this habit, you know, as you try to navigate or try to migrate towards things like Slack and Teams, you're still going back to email as your kind of default organizational system. And so if you're in that mindset and you're older than say someone like me in my mid forties, yes, in my mid forties, like that, that might be a benefit to help you kind of get over that acclimation curve or shit. It's at least worth trying dropping another S bomb today. Sorry, Ben Shank. But like, you know, so I think it's cool. I think it makes sense. And, and you're right. And I mean, you could try it. Well, you could try a lot of different things with this over time and you're just going to learn as you go. I think it's a smart experiment. Well, and the last thing to add too is we're nobody's talking about the data that's now being collected online too for all of these people where you don't have access to that. They're not on these people aren't on, you know, app platforms where they're collecting data in real time that's being triangulated with the stores that they're going into and the other places they're going into. It's all like hand, you know, scanned receipts and things like that to collect data on this population, which is a significant population over the age of 45. So I think there's a big play there too, that now they're able to collect yeah. um, with that Yahoo information and other email information. Yeah, it's a great point. Like you could actually retarget advertising to get them into the app or to exactly. get them to walmart.com because you have a better understanding of or what brands. might trigger that behavior. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a really good point. Really good yeah. point. All right. And story number four, you love this one. I love this term too. I don't know why, but it captivates me. I might have a couple of ideas. Um, okay. So Domino's, uh, they had an earnings call this week and they talked about this unprecedented opportunity that they have to accelerate their fortressing strategy. So Domino's has said that the coronavirus pandemic is giving them this unique chance to tighten up their delivery network by adding more stores to U.S. towns and cities um, where a lot of businesses have closed and there's a lot of, of real estate that's been freed up and lower rents. I just I think it's a really unique thing uh, for us to pay attention to in retail because they're right. There's a lot of real retail real estate, especially in high traffic areas that's going to become available in the next few weeks. And what does this mean for other companies outside of like a traditional dominoes? Is this a possibility for um, brands to get local access to their consumers to increase delivery times um, and speeds and to do so more efficiently and and kind of how is this all going to unfold so i i love it i think it's uh, it's really cool and uh, curious what you guys think about the fortressing strategy yeah i love it too i love first of all i love the name i think fortressing is super cool um, and domino's is a great company we've talked about it a lot like i think it's this is an opportunistic move like Domino's is still one of those things that's one of those, you know, retail concepts that's relevant during COVID. And they're saying, you know what, we're going to take this opportunity. There's going to be a lot of real estate available. Um, and let's, let's start getting into it and, and let's get into it for the purposes of what you said, which is to have really flexible fulfillment options at a, at a, at a very microtized or local level. Uh, now, am I going to put a lot into it? No, I just think it's a smart move. And you got to be careful with it because you could get overspaced just like retailers did in the past. But it's the right thing to do right now. And I think if anything, it's a signal to what other retailers that are still in that type of position, Walmarts, Targets, Kroger's, Costco's, whomever, to start thinking like that in that way about how do you create more flexible options 
for fulfillment for all of your customers so they can interact with you in a myriad of ways uh, that give, give you, quite frankly, a lot of competitive, competitive modes, excuse me, in the long run against people who won't be able to afford that type of infrastructure as they're trying to get started. Because that stuff just takes a long time to build and it ain't cheap. So Emma, oh, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was just going to say, well, to your, your point last week, Chris, too, like there's a, you have a hall pass right now to try yeah. this kind of experimentation, not only from like the innovation and technology standpoint, but yeah. also from the re- retail real estate. Standpoint. Yeah. I mean, you have empty vacant storefronts that I think you're going to have a lot more flexibility to work with landlords and, and the tenant is kind of, I think, taking over control of like, maybe you do a three month, just a summer thing, a month to month thing. We saw there's a company called Reef Technology um, and Bond Delivery that have just started doing this in Miami in parking lots. I was just reading about this week. So, you know, you have the opportunity to test this um, even at a very low scale base level um, on, on the cheap right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now's the time. If you can, if you can afford, it's like with any, it's my favorite quote from Rhett Butler, right? With gone with the wind, like the money can be, the money is slow and steady on the buildup of America, but it can't, I'm not getting the quote exactly right, but it's fast and furious when America's going to crack up. And if you can figure out how to invest in the right spaces, there's a lot of opportunity to be had there. Emma, any thoughts on this? Where does, where does Domino's fall in the, uh, in the halls of, of the Gen Zer? I think it's very, very popular on college campuses, especially, you know, with University of Minnesota, it's a very urban campus. Therefore, Domino's is incredibly accessible to the student body. I am not a big fast food person. I don't personally like Domino's, but I think in terms of a business move, like how could you not pursue that option? Yeah, exactly. Like it just seems like it just seems like smart business sense, but let's also not get carried away because you could also spend some silly money if you're not careful with this type of strategy. All right, I will close us out here. Oh no, Emma, you're closing us out. Go for it. All right, story number five is a nice two for one. We've got live streaming that on Amazon that has launched for influencers and Google. Google, Google has <laughs> broken into mobile video shopping. So influencers that are part of the Amazon Influencer Program now have a new way to earn commissions on Amazon via live streaming. This new feature is going to enable them to bring their products to life and connect with their fans by live streaming directly on Amazon, all while earning commissions from qualifying purchases of products featured in their streams. And then Google has launched their app ShopLoop, which is a video shopping platform for quote unquote, discovering, evaluating and buying products all in one place. And so I'm incredibly excited that we're actually seeing companies take a move towards live streaming. It's just fun to watch. I played around with both Amazon. I didn't know Amazon Live was such a big content base, but I've been enjoying that every day at 10 a.m. I'm looking at today's top deals to see if there's anything that I want to purchase because of how like significant the discounts are. Google's Shop Loop is um, specifically for beauty, hair, and all of those kind of things. Okay. But yeah, I ordered a like bark collar off of Amazon Live because Martha Stewart was streaming how to use a bark collar on your dog. Martha's and, on this already? Yeah, it's like, it's incredible. Anything you can think of, Amazon Live has some kind of live streaming content. Wow, okay, very cool, very cool. And, and how's it, how do you interact with it too? So it sounds like you've been playing around with it. So like, is it, where do you go? Where do you go? How do you find it? Tell people about that. So for Amazon Live, I just Google Amazon Live and then it brings you right to the page, whatever streaming live will show up. For any video that's being streamed live, you can comment and the people who are either 
like watching the video can uh, respond to your comments or the people who are hosting will respond and they can answer pretty much any question about the products. And then the other ones, you can watch it. Oh, sorry. Emma. So it's just like a live stream web channel, web page. You're just watching it and it's coming. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then Google, I didn't actually watch any of the videos, but I believe you can also kind of comment and the people who create the videos will get back to you about different product questions. That's cool. Well, we've been, I mean, we've been talking about this for a year. It's cool to see this kind of start to play out. And what are you thinking there? You're shaking your head with enthusiasm behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, I saw this on Sunday morning and was like, holy cow, this is, this is going to change so much. And especially when you think of, you know, already half of searches are starting on Amazon particularly. Um, And then you start to add in this live streaming component and the ability for these influencers to create essentially their own shops on Amazon and not only live stream, but then take that video content and apply it as a video that can be watched um, for that particular product that they're selling. And so I think that search functionality for the products that the influencers are, are putting on their pages, you know, the beauty products, the fashion items, like that stuff is still very hard to find on Amazon. And the shopping experience is not a good one. Um, it's not a discovery shopping experience. So I think this is allowing Amazon to really catapult themselves into that influencer space and, um, and help that overall shopping experience, especially in a time where, I think a lot of people are getting fatigue from online shopping and this like stand like static nature of it. This allows people to really feel like they're engaging with people to get that kind of sense of, you know, suggestion Mm -hmm. or real, really being able to have somebody else touch and feel the product for them by proxy when we can't do that right now. Right. Wanting, wanting that psychological, psychological element of, you know, discovery or inspiration that we always talk about. Or even engagement, like being able to ask a question and get a response. Yeah. Yeah. That that whole idea of getting confidence in a purchase, which we've talked a lot about kind of, you know, the tac- tactile aspects that are, you know come with being able to do those types of things. What, one question though, before, uh, to, and just to close on this, I think that I want to ask you guys, cause I think you, you, uh, you guys understand this, you know, way better than I do. And we've talked about this trend coming for a while. And Emma, it's why I asked you like, how does this work? How do you see like Google and Amazon's play in this space comparatively to say an Instagram, Facebook, something else in terms of even YouTube itself, in terms of where will people, it goes back to our conversation before, where will people most likely engage in this activity? Like, is it a place I'm going to go to or is it something I want to happen organically in what I'm already doing? That's a still a big question for me. Coincidentally, I should say too, they, Amazon just announced on Twitch, they're going to have a sports channel now specifically where you're going to see all these elements probably start to come into that platform too. And Twitch is a platform you're already in probably natively if you're interested in it. How do you guys, having experienced this a little bit already, how do you guys think about that question for me? Because I think your answers are going to help, definitely help inform my thoughts for the future. I mean, I think it goes back to like the shopping versus buying question and the shopping experience, the discovery experience, uh, the proxy for walking a mall or a shopping center, I think it's still happening on Instagram. And I think that right now still to me is the the best like, so you'd rather this happen in there versus go to a standalone amazon site for sure for me at okay. least um I, 
Exactly. Yeah. I think though the difference is, and the Google thing is that shop loop is a separate app too. So it's not right. like this is like happening when you Google search, you know, red dress or whatever. So I think that that's an, that's an important clarification. So, um, but I think when you know what you want, if you do know you want uh, the red dress, searching that in Instagram is going to be difficult right now. Right. It's more about products being fed to you. So I think this is going to really help when you know what you want or a general idea of what you're looking for and now being able to have what you're used to seeing on Instagram show up um, on your Amazon searches. Is and then huge. have all your influencers kind of serve up for you yep. what the different content is around that. That's Wow, that's a fascinating angle to it. Emma, what do you think to that question? Like how much is kind of where I am mentally and what I'm engaging in normally going to play into this. I mean, it sounds like it caught your attention to go do it. It might be because of the story itself, but how do you think about that? I think definitely, I kind of agree with Anne where like when I'm on Instagram or other kind of social media apps like that, I might go into a brand that I like. I know kind of the like style of products they have. I usually shop for clothing, which is where I get the like style reference from, but I like watching them kind of like unbox things, show them off. But you know what you're like, you know, you get a different selection of kind of products. Whereas if Google, like Anne said, with the red dress, if I could Google red dress, I know that I want a red dress and then see people showing me different red dresses through the Google search. I think that Google and Amazon definitely have the upper hand when it comes to you're searching for a very specific product. However, Amazon Live has so much content that, like I said, you could really search for anything and you might be more so inspired to buy something that you weren't already inspired to purchase. Wow. That was amazing. God, that's why I love doing this. So so what you guys just hit on there for me is the evolving world of search where what is search for discovery and how does that end up playing out versus what is search to find, which we all know Amazon does really, really well. But what is search to then aid discovery and how that plays out from a visual experience perspective, a user experience perspective, totally untapped. And man, there's a lot here. And maybe this is a great thing for Google, actually, as I'm sitting here talking to get them more into that game based on all the data they have at their fingertips. Fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that battle. And yeah, how is Instagram thinking about that concept of search to discovery versus discovery through feed? A lot of things happening there. A lot of things to unpack. Wow, that was cool. Uh, That last part was why I love doing the show. And that just made that one of my favorite episodes. So thank you guys for, for all that. That was amazing. Um, all right. Well, cool. I found the quote from Rhett Butler too. I want to leave you guys with that because I think about this every day and I want to give it to you exactly right. So in gone with the wind, I told you once before that there were two times for making big money, one in the upbuilding of a country and the other in its destruction, slow money on the upbuilding, fast money in the crack up. Remember my words. Perhaps they may be of use to you someday. I read that about five years ago. I've never thought about it. And I've written about how retail has been going through a crack up for quite a period of time. And now in a lot of ways, our nation is too. So it's going to be interesting to see how all those worlds collide and see how these companies start to put their best foot forward uh, forward along those lines. So, hey, and Emma, thank you so much. That was a fantastic show today. I loved it. I had a feeling we're going to get in some good content areas. Remember, if you're listening for the first time, you can always... Uh, subscribe to our blog omnitalk.blog please also remember to leave us a review you can like review to subscribe and subscribe to our content on our youtube channels as well as wherever you listen to you to your podcast whether it's soundcloud apple Podcasts, spotify google play and of course as always be careful